All right. Are we all ready? Now I got to remember what I say. <laughs> Hi, my name is Minda Hartz. I'm the founder of The Memo, and I also have a book coming out called The Memo, and so I'm really excited to be here. Hello, welcome to the July 2019 edition of HR Wonder Women. I am your host, Wendy, and with me as always is Anne. Hello, Anne. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I'm well. I am super excited about our guest today. Uh, we have Minda Hartz, um, who is also a podcast host. And, and we are going to give away an autographed copy of Minda's book that comes out in August. So I want everyone listening to check the show notes. Um, we will have a link for how you can enter the giveaway. Um, you'll be able to share her, um, her upcoming book on social media to earn points. And then we will have a, a kind of a raffle giveaway. So you can enter as many times as you like, which means you get to share that Minda's book is coming out. So share, share, share. And um, if already- Am I eligible, Wendy? Am you I eligible? Are eligible. To win? Yes. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Um, and for those who have pre-ordered the book, thank you for doing that. Um, but still enter and win because then you have two and you can give one to somebody, which is even better because everyone we know is going to want to read this book. But we want to, we do want to begin the show as we always do by sharing how we identify and really that so you can better understand the lens through which we view the world. And it also helps us know how we view the world because we need to understand what that lens is. Um, so I am Wendy. I am white, straight, female, Christian, and able-bodied, and my pronouns are she and her. How about you, Anne? Uh, yes, to everything that you just said, one of the things I guess that I always say is I identify in a lot of different ways, but because for the purpose of this podcast, we're really talking about intersectionality. It's important to especially identify privilege in this context, and so I identify as a white, straight, cisgender, uh, non-disabled woman. Yeah, if I'm missing something, guess the privilege and I probably have it. Who I am, um, I'm excited to introduce to you Minda Hartz. Minda is a well-connected, sought-after speaker and thought leader, frequently speaking on topics of advancing women of color, leadership, diversity, and entrepreneurship. In 2018, Minda was named as one of 25 emerging innovators by American Express. Minda is an assistant professor of public service of NYU's Robert F. Wagner Graduate School of Public Service and the founder of the Memo LLC, a career development company for women of color. Secure the Seat is her work weekly career podcast for women of color. And she didn't even write this, but she's got a book coming out, The Memo, uh, which we're super excited about. And welcome, Minda. We're really, really happy that you're here this, with us this evening. Um, and so thinking again, you know, that, that I'm sure there are many, many ways in which you identify yourself. And for the context of this conversation, um, tell us about how you identify. Yes. Thank you, Wendy and Anne. I'm so happy to be here. And I love that question. I, that's one of my favorite questions, actually, that you don't get asked as often as we probably should. And so um, I identify a lot of different intersections, but I show up as a black woman, a daughter, a friend, and um, I go by the pronouns she and her. But let's talk about your podcast because I love actually talking with other podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> I know, me too. Yeah, it's so much fun. So your podcast is Secure the Seat. Um, I, I listen very faithfully. So tell us a little bit about what drove you to get started and how has the podcast changed or influenced you? Yeah, it's funny that you asked that because I never 
when I created my company, The Memo, uh, before the podcast, before the book, I thought, oh, the podcast industry, it's so saturated. I don't, you know, I'm not going to get into it. And I kept having like friends and mentors uh, say, you should really start a podcast. I think there's some things that you could talk about online. And so I started to think about the whole concept of a seat at the table. And sometimes we have a seat at the table, but we don't use our authority to take over that seat, right? And so it's one thing to have a seat, but then there's another thing to secure it and make sure that if you do choose to leave that seat, that you're providing another space for another woman. Uh, and so in our case, we talk about creating more seats for women of color because there's often not a lot of us in the room together. And so don't leave that space open, secure it and bring others with you. I like the bringing others with you. I know we talked about that with uh, Margaret Spence in our first podcast with her, how sometimes that competition culture between women, we feel like there's only one spot. So only one of us gets it. And how much better the world would be if we think of how can we add to the table? How can we yeah. bring more people along? I love that. Yes. There's no cap on how much we can all win. You know, sometimes we, we like to police each other's wins. Like if she has a win, I can't get a win, but we can all win. There's enough to go around. <laughs> it is not a zero sum game here. <laughs> it just really isn't. And um, yeah, and I think that that's a, a, an excellent segue to the next question. So you, um, you recently posted something on Twitter that really resonated with me. And I, I feel like, again, like Wendy just said, um, it's something that Margaret Spence alluded to and it's something that we hear from a lot of our guests and also you know it's hard in 140 characters or however many characters are on twitter to often have like the essence of what you're feeling come through but i felt like in this tweet i could also hear your passion for this and what you said is i want the next and current generation of black and brown women to have the tools they need to thrive in a workplace that caused many of us trauma due to micro macroaggressions reduced pay and systemic racism those tools require shifting the power dynamics in the workplace. And then you went on to say many are leaving at record numbers to start their own businesses when they had dreams of the C-suite at Fortune 500 companies. I won't stand by and watch their dreams be deferred by inequitable workplaces. So talk to us more about that, because like I said, that just sums up what we have heard from many of our guests. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny because sometimes on Twitter, we, we might tweet and we don't realize how it might resonate with other people as well, right? But our, our feelings and emotions come through. And, and I was so surprised by how many people were just talking about it, like all day into the weekend. And, and for me, I was one of those people who had that dream deferred. And mm -hmm. I always thought, oh, if I could just, you know, get in the corner office and reading all these books and materials that talked about there's a place for me. And then I realized once I entered into a toxic work environment or, or systemic barriers that we don't always get that opportunity to have our place in the room. And so for me, I hear so many people who will email me or come to me after a conference and say, you know, my dreams are deferred and, you know, there's nobody out there advocating on my behalf. And I'm, and I'm here to say, you know, I'm here for you. I see you just because we can have more than one dream, right? Maybe that dream is on pause right now, but you don't have to give it up completely. And I think we have to, oftentimes we talk about diversity and inclusion, but that requires talking to the people who are missing, right? Asking them what they need. We can't create solutions for people that we haven't spoke to. And I think that's um, what I was trying to get across and those power dynamics have to shift or we're gonna just keep talking about this for another hundred years, right? <laughs> 
Right, exactly. Um, talk a little bit about how you see those power dynamics shifting. So, you know, some, and I've written them myself, right? 10 ways on how to do this and that. And, and really when it boils down to it is intentionality. If we want to bring other people to the table, we can, right? <laughs> it's just that simple, but we have to be willing to share the power. And it's not about giving up power, it's about sharing the power. And so it's not that the white man has to be fearful for all these women of color flooding the room, right? Like we want you there too. It's just, <laughs> we, we, we all can add more value to our bottom line. So just shifting the way that we're thinking about, again, that zero sum game, right? If, if I release this power, then that means I won't have any more. No, it's just sharing the dynamics. It's like a candle you light another candle, your candle doesn't go out. It's that fear of, of losing. And we see it everywhere, not just with white men, but everyone, once you get a little bit of power, it's, you get fearful of it because it's, you feel like it's a tenuous hold. And so helping other people to feel secure enough in where they are to be able to continue to have that hand up. Absolutely. And I know? see it even with other black and brown women, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, again, back to your point of there's only can be one, right? Or we only get a few bites of the apple. And it's like, no, that's the narrative that we were told that we were right. shown, but we can disrupt that. We can dismantle that system. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. So in, in doing that, that's probably one of the reasons that kind of led you into writing your book. I'm going to guess, but okay. And we'll just say again, we are going to give away a copy of her book. So check the show notes. We have yes. multiple ways for you to enter to win. Um, but talk to us a little bit about just the experience of writing the book, kind of what led up to it. And did it, did you start with one thing in mind and then did the book take on a life it's a, of its own type of thing too? It's funny. It goes back to kind of dreaming. Sometimes we have one dream and for all those listening, rem reminding ourselves that we can have more than one dream. And so I, before the book, I wasn't dreaming big enough uh, because I started the company, The Memo, and that was a, it is a career development platform that helps women of color prepare for their seat at the table. And then from there, I write a, a weekly newsletter called The Memo, my weekly memo, and it comes out every Monday. And I was starting to write about my experiences of being one of the only ones in the workplace. And the more that some of our subscribers they were resonating with those stories being told. They saw themselves in the content. And what I realized was I had been reading all of these career books and uh, digesting all of this content, but they never really talked about my experiences as a black woman, as a woman of color. I was kind of just taking good advice, right? But it wasn't always geared toward me. And so when you don't talk about race, then you're not, you don't feel seen, right? Because there are those barriers in place. And so that's what prompted me to really write the book and share these experiences because it's hard for people to have empathy if you don't ever hear what our stories are like. Right? You can change, but if you know, if you personally get to know what it was like for me to go through some of these abusive situations and be one of the only ones, and you might say, you know what, the next time I see my colleague, I might see her or him a little bit differently because I hadn't thought about their experience and how they have to show up in this environment every day. And so I want others to see themselves um, in the stories. And so I'm really excited uh, about the book. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. So I really appreciate that, that you wanna, you wanna share your story because you want um, other women to feel seen, right? Hey, it's not just me, I'm not the only one. What is your dream for them? I'm gonna ask you about your readers who are not women of color in a minute, but for your readers that are women of color, specifically black women, what is your dream for them to get 
from reading this book? That they can have a seat at the table, but it, they might have to reimagine success, right? Because sometimes we might work, like one of my employers, I was there for 11 years, right? Trying to fit in, trying to do this, trying to do that. But think about what it would have been, not to just try to make something work, but if I would have found another table that was better suited for me, right? And so we don't have to defer the dream because it's not working out at this particular place. I do believe there are other environments that may best suit our needs, right? And we can still secure that seed. And so for me, it's saying, yes, you didn't make this stuff up. This is happening to you, right? <laughs> it's not happening in isolation, but also, what are you doing to enhance your network? What are you doing to enhance your skill set so that when that opportunity arises, you're ready? We're going. You know, you're not just there looking good and smiling. You're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> so uh, that's what I hope that they get out of it. No, that's tremendous. And I think that value of it's not just me is you can't put a price on that to know that what you're going through is not just you, that lots of other women have experienced the same thing. Um, and that, that, you know, like, everyone's in this together, just to go back to what we've been talking about the whole conversation, right? Like there's not, there's not limited power, there's not limited opportunity. And so if I can learn from what other people are going through, then we can figure it out together. So then what I have read that this is a book for everyone, right? That, that I shouldn't just look at it and say, oh, this is a book for women of color. And so it doesn't apply to me. What is your hope or your dream for other people, for men or for white women who read this book? What is your dream for us that will ultimately enhance the experience for women of color? Yeah, thanks for asking. I think two things. Uh, one is if you read about our stories and our experiences, you'll be better suited to help us. You know, people want to be helpers. I call them success partners in my book, or others might call them allies. But I think if you understand how to help me in my, in my experience, then because you've heard it from me, right? <laughs> and, and maybe you might, again, consider what it's like for somebody else. And maybe they're not of color, but they're LGBTQ or they're disabled or, you know, whatever the minority group inside of the company, you'll start to think, you know what, how am I showing up? How am I helping? Um, one of the things that I talk about is one of the experiences in my book, I was going through this issue. And some of my colleagues, because I was the only black woman there, my colleagues would come to me on the side, you know, they'd pull me over to the side in secrecy being like, I'm really sorry this is going on for you, you know, you're being so strong and blah, blah, blah. But think about what it would have been had they stood up for me in public, right? <laughs> what, how we could have changed the power dynamics. And so sometimes we don't even know what we don't know. They don't know that that's more harmful than anything. And so I talk about some of those experiences. And then um, lastly, I hope that, or number two, that people will look at this book just like they did Lean In, right? Like that was such a manifesto that was so important and it's still an important book, but now here's another narrative, right? And so seeing that it's all hands on deck, like you said before. And the timing is perfect because we all just heard Michelle Obama say that Lean In just doesn't always work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if everybody believes in Michelle Obama, right? So here you are to say, right, that doesn't always work. So look, this is something that can work. Absolutely. Totally agree. I think that's, that's spot on and kind of just goes that full circle. I remember that when I first saw your secure the seat and I read a little bit about it and I was like, I wonder if this is for me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna listen anyway. If it's not, she's not, she can't stop me. <laughs> I'm like, Wendy, are you listening? No. Are you listening? <laughs> like, I know you can't get that detailed in, you know, your stats, but I, I do, I, you know, I think it's important. It's like Elena Valentine said, I love how we can quote our past guests on yes. the show. Um, 
but Elena Valentine talked about how the shortest distance between two people is a story. And that's what you're doing with the memo is you're sharing your story and helping those of us who can help figure out ways that we can help and to be vulnerable and brave and step up and say something when, uh, when we see something that's like, Hey, that's not cool. Absolutely. You know, just like I said, just can look at somebody like, really, that's what you're going to (laughs) say. We can be that person. We can be that person. All right. Well, Minda, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of the HR social hour. And that is the question connection. And we have changed it up a little bit for the HR wonder women, because we have it with a more female twist on it. However, networking is so important. And I think um, in what we're talking about, it's important and what you're doing. It's important because that's how we get to know people to know who we're going to give that hand up to and how to give that hand up to them. So talk with us a little bit about how networking has helped you and what's been really effective for you. Yeah, I actually write a whole chapter uh, about networking in, in my book because I think it's such an important tool that we have in our toolkit. And I often say that even if you see yourself as an introvert or an extrovert, we all need the tool of networking in our toolkit. And so um, that may look different for each of us, but building a squad or building your team, building your personal board of directors will never steer you wrong because if, if they're diverse, you know, meaning race, age, um, et cetera, et cetera, we just have more opportunities. We, we limit ourselves when we don't build our network and even Due to social capital, uh, it's so important. It takes us so far. And I wouldn't even be on today's uh, podcast with you both if it wasn't for the power of networks. So <laughs> it opens up the doors. You can't, it, success is not a solo sport. You need a, you need a network. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I love, I love that. Success is not a solo sport. That'll be one of our quotes that we share. <laughs> it will be. Yes. Episodes from now, one of us will be saying, and as Minda Hart says, Success is not, as she said on our show, success is not a solo sport. Yes. You'll be quoted. Um, Yeah, networking is huge. It's funny that you would say you wouldn't be on this podcast. This podcast wouldn't exist. Um, Wendy and I wouldn't know each other. Networking is is, um, core to, I think sometimes we think about networking as like this business thing, but it's core to building a community. Like you said, a squad, a group of people that are really, um, that really hold us up. Yep. And move us forward. And so I can I say I love squad. I love that word. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out what word should we use. What should and I, and I like squad. I do. Yeah, not fun to say, but we'll <laughs> float that one out there. <laughs> See what happens. Um, so, Minda, tell us about women that you read or follow for professional insights. You know what I? It's funny because now that I'm more active on social media and and. My, my drug of choice is Twitter. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, I can follow so many different women from various backgrounds. And so it's hard for me to say like, oh, I, I follow these five women because even following you all, you know, like there's so much we can learn from everybody, but people that I do love in terms of just their viewpoint or like Tanzina Vega, um, she has a show called, uh, is it The Takeover? I, I might be wrong or something like that, but it's a radio show. And she's always talking about various intersections of race and, and work. And I also like Mel Robbins. She has a very like interesting perspective on just life and she's an author. Um, and Soledad O'Brien, she always has some really <laughs> interesting things to say, but there's so many women that I, we would be here all night if I, if I had to choose. <laughs> 
Oh, those are some awesome names, uh, too. I have not heard, so definitely we'll be checking them out for sure. That's one of the things I love about this. I'm like, ooh, no, new people to follow. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So, um, all right. So, Amanda, favorite movie that features a strong female cast? Yeah. You know what? I would probably say The Color Purple. Um, it oh, had a very strong female cast, um, Whoopi Goldberg to Oprah Winfrey, uh, just a lot of different women. And you saw these different intersections of how they had to be resilient in, resilient in the face of adversity and how they had to keep going forward. And so um, it was a movie that was always played in my household. And then as I got older, you know, um, I watched it too. And so I, I always draw strength from that movie. That's an excellent one. I haven't seen that in a while. I need to, I need to pull that out again. Yes. Right? What about a favorite female musician or band? This is an easy one uh, because I eat, breathe, sleep Beyonce. And so Beyonce, <laughs> it's, uh, um, again, I just love the fierceness um, and the way that she has, I love her music, but I also love the way that her activism has grown, right? So from when she first came out to where she is now, it's just her metamorphosis as a woman and an activist. I, I really admire that. I, I love how she's using her power for good. Um, you know, the, the whole story when it came out about her stepping away from Nike mm -hmm. to say, you, you put a bunch of white guys in front of me <laughs> and you think we're going to work together? No. Uh, and I love that she did it. And we, we make these things public. And, and you know, in the past, it would have swept under, under the rug and no one would have said anything about it. But now, you know, we make them public and we share and, and um, people see and learn and grow. I love it. Yes. Yeah, I love the way you said that she uses her power for good because she really is a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. She is. I, I mean, I don't know anyone who, I mean, love or, love or hate her music. That's one mm -hmm. thing. And, I, you know, we listen to her music, but it's not my style, which is fine. I, I can appreciate it um, as someone who appreciates music. And some of her songs, obviously, you got to get up and dance too because they're just songs. <laughs> but I, I just love that there's very few people who are like, oh, Beyonce, no, I don't like her because she's just universally a likable, she has a likable persona. I haven't met her in person, so I can't say, but her persona I haven't is either, likable. So the persona, <laughs> yes. and, and, and using her, we can see her, her good deeds out in the world, right? And so I think that's, the, that also lends to a good shake, shake, shake moment with her. Right. <laughs> but it, I, I also think she's, I mean, she's breaking so many barriers. Like, like you said, Minda, her activism, like, and, and her, her fierceness. And there's something about a woman who is able to be likable and fierce at the same yeah. time, because that is not, um, and I think, you know, and especially for a woman of color, right? Like that is not an easy feat to no. own your own fierceness and still be approachable and, and have like, everybody feels like, Oh, I could be her best friend. Right? Yeah, yeah. At the that's same time, point. and so yeah. that's—I mean—that's a really big deal because um, a lot of women, I think, sacrifice their own sense of fierceness for likability. Absolutely, because right. like Wendy said, there's not—you don't hear often. Oh, I don't like Beyonce. She's this. She's that. You might not like her music, but you—you right. you don't hear somebody say they don't like her as the person that we perceive her to be. And I think to your point, and that's. It's hard to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and because the perception is typically, and you know, pick on Hillary Clinton, she's a tough woman, so she's a bitch. Mm -hmm. um, which is why I like Tina Fey kind of put it out there, bitches get shit done. 
<laughs> so let's stop the negative connotation to that. But that's usually what happens when you are fierce and you're assertive. Um, it could have very easily turned out with the whole Nike thing where people are like, well, Beyonce's just a bitch. Yeah. But she's, she has enough of that goodwill with the community, which isn't easy, but maybe we should be extending more fierce women, more strong women, um, that grace to say, no, she's just being strong. She's not just being a bitch because you don't like how her face looks. <laughs> right. Cause if you, not to like beat a dead horse, but you think about like Serena, she gets, yep. she's fierce, right? But people have all kinds of things to say right. about her right. fierceness, right? So she can't, hers has to be contained, right? Yep. And there's just the way that we allow some women to do it and some not. Is right. Another topic, right? <laughs> We could go on. <laughs> it is unusual that we get to the deepest part of this show when we start talking about musicians and bands. Right. <laughs> well, you know, we we probably and we've talked about it, Anne, but it, maybe we need to have like a, a Wonder Woman pop culture where we can talk about these things because I know yeah. um, I know Jasmine would get on and talk for hours about Beyonce. Oh too. yes. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of folks that would get on and talk about her. I we can. I, yeah. Well, when okay. You, I'm gonna put it out there. Beyonce, we want you on. Um, yes, we will yes. have a Beyonce talk fierceness podcast with uh, yes. some of your fav, some of your biggest fans. So yes, come on, yes. Beyonce, we want you on. We will rearrange. It's our Wonder Woman. We'll rearrange anything and everything. Uh, yeah, I'll take <laughs> a PTO day. Fly out to where she is. We'll do Fine. whatever. We'll figure yes. it out. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So, so we've talked about music. We've talked about um, uh, female cast in a, in a movie. So, talk. Uh, give us your favorite female protagonist in a book or a female fictional character in any medium. Ah, uh, you know. So, I would say <laughs> you might laugh about this, and you may even have guests who say this, but. Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. Does that, does that Ooh, count? Um, that, one, I, that one counts? Yes. And I say that because I don't think we give Dorothy enough credit, right? Yes, she was like scared and she was nervous, but she, her curiosity was larger than her fear. She went on the other side. She went down the road. She, she went to go see what was on that other side. And I think as women, oftentimes we can either let our fear stifle us or fuel us right and she allowed herself to go there and go forward and so i i do really like i think there's a lot of life lessons that we can gain from dorothy <laughs> i love that answer <laughs> i do i agree i love that now i'm gonna like kind of rethink the whole story um that's great yeah. but actually actually maybe actually read the book too i don't know that i've ever actually read the whole wizard of oz i we've i everyone listening i'm sure has seen the um the 1930s version mm -hmm. of the movie um, and probably seen The Wiz and however many other versions are out there. Um, Wicked, but oh, Wicked, um, right? the, Muppet, the Muppets did a version of it. So, you know, it's, it's a popular story, but I love that, you know, I don't know that I've ever thought of Dorothy as a strong character, but she is, she, she you know, she is the main character and she draws, she, gets everyone there she gets everyone yeah. to the wizard right yeah no she drives it she's not yeah. just uh, she's not just a woman who stuff happens to and she's not there's no prince no she's not looking for a prince <laughs> she's, right. and, and she's the unlikely person because she doesn't present as the stereotypical strong woman right, right. It's right. a little bit different but yet she still made it to her end goal and i think there's 
the things that you see when you're young and then you watch them again when you're older or read them, you're like, oh gosh, you know, I see, I see Dorothy in such a different light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's tremendous. So Minda, our last question is, um, and I think that this is important. It's, it's, what do you like to do outside of work? And I think that this is a super important question. Partly it gives us a chance to get to know you better, but partly it gets at that, that idea of that the, the shortest distance between two people is a story and it allows us to see each other as more than just the work persona or the, the professional, right? It gets to see each other as a whole person. So talk to us about what you like to do outside of work. Yes, I love to cook actually. Most people don't know that about me is I really love to cook. Uh, whenever I am at home, um, I try to cook like, not I'd say courses, but I, I try to dabble in it. But I used to really, in college, I would watch a lot of Food Network and that really did something inside of me. And my father, I, since it is Father's Day, he was the cook of our house. And so he did all the cooking and he would always say to me, Minda, let me teach you how to cook. And I said, oh no, I'm not gonna be that woman. I'm not gonna do the cooking in my house. <laughs> I don't wanna learn because then it's gonna be up to me to do it and I don't wanna do it. And so it was funny. And then later on, when I got out on my own, I actually enjoyed it. And so in my house, yes, I am the cook of the house. And, and so it's funny, I, I no pun intended, eat, ate my own words. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh, I love it. Um, do you have a favorite Food Network show? You know, I love um, Top Chef Juniors. They really, <laughs> I, I used to watch the regular one, but the, but the kids, they really blow my mind on the things that they can do and they can create. Just the creativity that comes with their dishes, is, it blows my mind. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Sometimes I don't like to watch the little kids cooking because I'm like, I didn't even know what that was when I was 12. And you're <laughs> talking about all this fancy food. Yes. But, oh, well, Minda, this has been so much fun. Oh, my gosh. I, 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 like Anne said, I think that's the deepest we've ever gone in music and movie talk, which is great. <laughs> it's just, great. It, it just adds so much to the show. I, I love it. Um, so this is your opportunity to share with our listeners how they can um, get in touch with you. Yes. Again, thank you both for having me. I had so much fun today. And you can find me. I'm most active on Twitter at Minda Hearts, but you can go to MindaHearts.com. All of my information is there. And don't forget to pre-order the book, The Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table. It's available wherever you like to buy books. Awesome. And so, yeah, everyone, go out and, uh, and pre-order. Um, that will likely be one way that you can get extra points in the raffle for getting a free book if you've already pre-ordered. So, yes, I want everyone to have. I want you to have someone one to give away. If that's what we want. All right, Anne. How can people find you? Uh, also, Twitter is um, is also my drug of choice when it comes to social media. <laughs> I like I like that. Uh, so you can find me at Anne Pump. It's A N N E dot. That would be my email. Never mind. A N N E T O M K at Twitter and that's really the best way to find me on social. As for me, same. Twitter, drug of choice. We're gonna start <laughs> using that. Um that's how I met and that's how I met Linda and so I am going to continue to sing the praises of Twitter as much bad as out there on that <laughs> social media site. There is so much good, so much so capital. much. Please join us on Twitter. I am Wendell93. Um, so I hope that you will all connect with us and uh, try to meet us in person at some point in time because we're out, we're, all three of us are out and about 
at various things. Um, since this is coming out in July, I will share that both Anne and I will be in Orlando for the HR Florida conference at the end of August. So if you are in Florida and listening, please come find us. We would love to connect. Um, just let us know that you listen to our show and we might get a sticker or a pin. So we have, we have cool stuff now. All right. So anyway, Minda, thank you again. This has been so much fun. And thank you as always for joining me and for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast and Skill Scout. I can't forget. I have to say thank you to Skill Scout because they edit all of our shows and produce them for us. So huge shout out to them. Thank you, Skill Scout. Um, so this is Wendy and I want you all to go and tell your story.